So I have to admit, we, uh, we've been working on that song, and we've been singing that song in our Wednesday night group, and the kids were actually upset that we didn't get to do it for Easter. They're like, seriously? And I was like, it's okay, I'm speaking in a few more weeks, and, and we're going to sing it, and we're going to worship it. And, and uh, as you can see, I have the, the, the title of the message of Kids Say, and um, it's amazing how even doing this song, which was like, oh, it's a high-energy song, woohoo! yeah, we laugh and we sing, and, and, uh, but it's amazing the things that kids say, because even through this, and we sing these songs pretty much weekly, and then you hear the kids say, wait a minute, hell lost another one, I am free. And now at, at, at six, at seven, at eight, at ten, at four, at however, and all these ages around, our kids are saying that hell lost another one, I am free. That excites me. I don't know about you, that excites me. So we, uh, so then, as God just was keep working on me, and we're thinking about, you know, some of the things that kids say. So we're going to do uh, a little thing of, in thinking of what are some of the things that kids say. We've had a, I've had the pleasure of being able to, to work within schools and then also to, to work in youth groups. And, and I've been around the kids a lot. Sometimes I feel like I've never grown up, but it's okay. I mean, I've grown, I don't know, I may have grown out at times, and, but I don't know if I've really grown up. But we're going to do a, a little activity. And um, my children have already been told that they can't talk during this one. So, but... Um, the game is, can you guess the word or phrase that a child has said while in my house? So we've had a lot of different kids in our house through, you know, child care, through babysitting, through foster, through, you know, adoption, different things like that. We've had a lot of different kids. So we've heard a lot of different things being said in our house. So we'll start a little bit early, or we'll do maybe easy, and then we'll work our way up into the difficulty level of translating children's language. All right? So the first one. Gink. Good job. Oh, good job. All right. It's drink. Now, I will say this. Please, I do not want you throwing something if you felt like I spelled the word wrong. Please understand. I'm just taking what I heard and what I thought was said, and I try to put it phonemically, and I try to make words or make, put the letters together to make words. All right. So, gink, that was easy. Drink. All right. The next one. Farkles. It sounds very similar to the one. Well, no. It is freckles. Good job. All right. It is freckles. You know, we have some freckles. All right. Next one. Lelolo. Okay. So this is lelolo. I don't even know if I'm pronouncing it correctly. Lelolo. Very good. It is yellow. See, that's easy. All right. All right, next one. Be the bish. Be the bish. Ah, see, that's easy. Good job. All right, that is feed the fish. That was one that it was in our house often, and we probably still say it even today. All right, next one. This is, see, you guys are good. How about meep meeps? Meep meeps. If you guys get this one, I, 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 I'm, I'm amazed right now, okay? All right, meep meeps are moles. You know... You know, got the meat meeps, all right? I'm not going to talk about any of my children. I love them. And they've been, see, they've already been prepared that I'm going to use, and I'm not saying who said what, but. All right, the next one. Kakanuni. 
Kakanuni. Like none of these are inappropriate, I promise. Kakanuni. Nope, not at all. Kakanuni is pepperoni. You know, it sounds kakanuni. I will tell you that in our house we do, we, we speak and we try to like enunciate things and we do talk, but you know, sometimes kids say some things, all right? And uh, here's the next one. Sulala. That was a good guess. See, it looks like salsa. Sulala. Not, it's not salsa. It is syrup. <laughs> you know, we like to put some sulala on our pancakes and our waffles and pretty much anything that's on our plate, we'll put the sulala on, okay? All right, how about this one right here? Speak for your servant is listening. Now, I would love to say that, that, that my children have said, speak, your servant is listening. Okay, that would be, that'd be crazy. Right, right, you know, like, or maybe a coworker would say to you, speak, your servant is listening. Or, or maybe it's been like a sibling, you know, because we love our siblings and we're close. Speak, your servant is listening. But there was a kid that at one time did say, speak, your servant is listening. This statement, you know, and this is a, a very, very bold statement, but this statement can be found in 1 Samuel chapter 3. And it was said by Samuel. Now, I know this might be a little hard to read, but what I did was is I made a, uh, an application or a resume for Samuel, just to try to figure out who Samuel was. Samuel was one that he studied under Eli the priest. That's a pretty good resume right there. You studied under a priest. That's got to be important. But his work experience include being, he was a priest himself, and we can read that in 1 Samuel 2. We also know that he was a prophet. So he was a priest that came before God, and he was a prophet who spoke the words of God. Other things that are on his resume is he was a judge. So he had to make those tough decisions in being a judge, and being a judge of the people of Israel. We also know that Samuel anointed Saul as king. That might be one of those things that we keep really small on the resume, like, oh, well, Saul didn't do the best, but he did what God wanted him to do by anointing Saul as king. And then one thing that we do know him for, that a lot of people know him for, is that he anointed David as king. And he anointed David as king when David was just a boy. So he has a, he has a pretty good resume. But these are just some of the accomplishments that we can see. Sometimes if we can like think in our own lives, it's like, man, if we just knew what it was all going to end up, then maybe we would know so much more and say, hey, there's a lot of things that that person accomplished. But how did Samuel get here? Today, as we're going to get to the 1 Samuel 3.10 and looking at how it says, speak, your servant is listening. Just like as in our home, we teach our kids how to, to talk, we teach our kids how to walk. There was a moment that got to Samuel to be, speak, your servant is listening. But we're going to actually start off in 1 Samuel uh, chapter 1, verse 1. And I'm going to jump around a little bit, but I'm going to hopefully, hopefully that we're going to be able to lead and you guys understand where we're going here. It says there was a certain man from Ramathaim, a Zufite, 
from the hill country of Ephraim, whose name was Elkanah, son of Jehoram, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zuth, an Ephraimite. He had two wives. One was called Hannah and the other Penina. Penina had children, but Hannah had none. And it keeps going. In verse 3, it says, Year after year, the man who is Elkanah went up from his town to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty at Shiloh. And Shiloh, just so you know, is about 15 miles away from where he was in Ramathaim, or Ramah. So it was about 15 miles that he had to go on this annual trip. And it says, Where Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were priests of the Lord. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife Penina and to all her sons and daughters, but to Hannah he gave a double portion because he loved her, and the Lord had closed her womb. So quick summary, a man named Elkanah, he had two wives. One man, two wives. Well, we could say that's probably not the smartest choice on him, but he was, and, and because of that, that caused friction in his family. But one man, two wives, he, he, um, he had children with one wife and no children with the others. He went every year to Shiloh to worship and sacrifice to the Lord Almighty. We know that, and, and looking here, it says, what is worship? So as I'm going through this, I'm trying to figure out, well, what is worship? And worship, it says, prost, prostrate and homage, and homage. So when I'm looking up, what is worship? We're talking about this man would go before God and would lay out, would completely lay out. I'm going to lay out, and I hope I'm going to get up. So he would completely lay out before God with his nose to the ground. And I thought about that, and I'm like, well, I'm a big guy too, but I'm just thinking, wow, just complete worship. So this week and, and weeks prior, I'm, I'm getting prostrate. I'm laying, I'm laying down prostrate and, and before God and seeking him. And of course, a sacrifice was exactly that. They had to make a sacrifice. But he was, he was bringing something personal to the table. He was bringing something personal. So he was worshiping God in homage, but then he was also bringing something to the table. Do we know today, church, do we know that our worship and our sacrifice are receivable? Might be like, okay, well, what does that mean? Have you ever had a conversation with someone and you felt like I had to really prepare for this? Uh, you know, maybe it was a tough discussion or maybe something that, you know, happened with your kid and you're going to teach them, like, I I'm really thinking about this. And then on the other side, it's like, bloop. It's like, why in the world did I prepare for that? Why did I put that mental energy in preparing for that? But our worship and our sacrifice, they are receivable. If you can move to the next slide. Um, so, but I am very grateful that our God is different. That there is no bloop. Like, it's not just like, okay, there's lights on, but no one's home. Okay, but we know that God, there is not just the lights are on, but we also know that someone's home and he's able and willing to receive our worship and receive our sacrifice. In Romans 12, 1, 
It says, therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and your proper worship. So no, we're not, we're not bringing a bull, we're not bringing animals and sacrificing them before God. But the Word of God is telling us that this is how we can worship, and this is what we can sacrifice, our bodies, our minds, us, we, okay? We are the living sacrifice that God desires. In 1 Peter 2, 4 and 5, it says, As you come to Him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him you also like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ Jesus made the way for our worship and our sacrifice to be receivable wow like we just celebrated Easter a few weeks ago and what he did on that cross was creating that bridge between us and God. In the next few verses, we're going, as, we can, as you read through, you will see that the turmoil between Hannah and, and Penina, and you can see the, the relationship and, and going back and forth. But in 1 Samuel, uh, going down to verse 10 in, the, in chapter 1, it says, In her deep anguish, Hannah prayed to the Lord, weeping bitterly, and she made a vow saying, Lord Almighty, if you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me. If you will only look on your servant's misery and remember me and not forget your servant, but give her a son, then I will give him to the Lord for all the days of his life and no razor will ever be used on his head. Samuel's mother, I'm giving out what happens, but this is Samuel's mother, Hannah, is that she prayed for Samuel. Before he was even conceived, she was praying, she was seeking God specifically for a son. She sought God. Do we know, church, that prayer is possible? Do we know that prayer is possible? I was like, yeah, Mike, duh, prayer is possible. Hello, we just say some words or before our, we eat our food or whatever. And yeah, duh, we know that prayer is possible. But do we truly know that because the worship and sacrifice that are receivable, on the other end of it, he's waiting, he's willing to receive our worship and our sacrifice. Now we know that prayer is possible. In Matthew 6, 6, it says, Jesus said, but when you pray... Go into your room, close the door, pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. In 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Not only is our worship and our sacrifice receivable by God, but now our prayer is a possible. It is our prayers are a possibility to, to, to get to God. And, the, and to keep going in the next verses, we can see that Hannah's prayer for a son came true. And the son came to be, and this son named Samuel. 
And it says in verse 24 to 28, it says, After he was weaned, she took the boy with her, young as he was, along with the three-year-old bull, an ephap of flour and a skin of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord at Shiloh. When the bull had been sacrificed, they brought the boy to Eli, and she said to him, Pardon me, my Lord, as surely as you live, I am the woman who stood here beside you praying to the Lord. I prayed for this child, and the Lord has granted me what I, what I, granted me what I asked of him. So now I give him to the Lord. For his whole life he will be given over to the Lord, and he, and he meaning Samuel, Worship the Lord there. As I read through these scriptures, God was telling me that obedience is doable. That's hard to be obedient. If you've raised kids, you know that obedience can be hard. You know that if sometimes working with people, obedience can be very hard. We teach them and we're trying to teach them to be obedient as well. And Hannah prayed to God, and she chose to be obedient and follow through on a covenant that she had with him. She could have been like, God, please give me a son. Okay, thank you. No, but she said, God, please give me a son, and I will give him back to you. So she had a son, and she was able to wean him and give him back to God. Obedience is doable. It's a choice. James 2 24 and 26 says, You see that a person is considered righteous by what they do and not by faith alone. As the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without deeds is dead. God is letting us know that our obedience, it's important and it is doable. So, where are we at right now? Worship, sacrifice, receivable. That's awesome. Man, it's, it's awesome that we have a living God. We have, it's amazing that we have a God that is real. But we also know that, yes, He will receive our worship and He will receive our sacrifice, but He will also receive our prayers. That the prayer is a possibility to go before Him. And that we also know that obedience on our behalf is doable. So now we just have a relationship, but now I'm going to do. In chapter 2, it talks about it starts off with Hannah's prayer, and I would encourage you to read it. it. It's amazing. And then we also look at Eli's sons, and I'm like, God, I want to talk about 1 Samuel 3. And I can see where 1 comes in, but, and I see this too, and I feel like at times it's in the way. But God was working in my heart and saying, but it's not in the way. I want, I want to show you something. So as we look in chapter 2, and... Uh, just, just listen to this as we talk about there's a man of God, a prophet that spoke to Eli the priest. Eli the priest, who is, he's in, he's in charge, he's a judge, he's he's very important position. He has sons, and his sons are doing whatever they want. It says, the man of God, the prophet, was speaking to Eli, and it says, why do you scorn my sacrifice and offering that I prescribe for my dwelling? Why do you honor your sons more than me by fattening yourselves on the choice parts of every offering made by my people Israel? Therefore the Lord, the God of Israel, declares, I promised that members of your family would minister before me forever. But now the Lord declares, far be it from me. Those who honor me, I will honor. But those who despise me will be disdained. Church, do we know that discipline is critical? Uh, that's a tough word. Discipline. I don't like discipline. 
Yeah, but you know, discipline is critical. It's, it's very, very important. If we do not discipline those around us, our children are, are, are the ones that have trusted in our care, we miss the opportunity to give guidance. Uh, Elijah, before, we, before service today, he showed me a car that he got, and I was like, oh, it's happy for him. And, and I was thinking of, you know, that's awesome that you guys, that your mom and dad, Elijah, that trust you with that, but also, if they did not give you any discipline in how to drive a car, that would be a very scary thing. He'd be all over the place. He'd be just, you know, they're riding with him. He just runs over a sign. It's, a, it's okay. You know, it's okay. Like, you just, just make sure you go. I want you to go from point A to point B, but there's no discipline or guidance. That could be a problem. Now, I'm a younger brother. I love my sister. I love my sister very much, but because she's older, she got to do things before I did, obviously. And I remember one time she was in the car, and I don't know, I think my mom, she might have been riding in a passenger seat, and I'm riding, and of course, you know, I'm a little brother, so, you know. But anyway, I'm riding, and I just remember her going around the corner so fast. <sighs> I got scared, and I remember we pulled in. I, like, jumped out of the car and, like, grabbed onto the grass because I was so happy. But the thing is, is that I know that my mom was also giving her direction. As a younger brother that's two and a half years younger, you know, it was, oh, we're going to die. Like, it was the scariest thing. But I knew that now I know as an adult that there is discipline and guidance. There was not just, hey, just go ahead and drive wherever. And, you know, as long as you get there, just run over whatever animals you see just on purpose. Like, just run right through people. Like, it doesn't matter. Stop signs. They're just suggestions, you know. If the, if the light turns yellow, that means go faster. Not that any of us ever do that. But, you know, we have discipline. The discipline in our life is critical. It's very critical. So, in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, it says, All scriptures God breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. That discipline, it equips us. It equips us with what we need to be able to do what God has called us to do. I repeat, the discipline that God is giving us, or that, that uses with us, is giving us, it's equipping us for every good work. Our worship and sacrifice is receivable. Our prayer is possible and obedience is doable. But we also have to remember that discipline, being disciplined, is, is so critical in our lives. So 1 Samuel chapter 3. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord. I just want you to think about this. So now we have a boy here. His mom and dad, their relationship's okay. Okay? But we also know that there was already turmoil. His, his dad has two wives. That's probably not going to be the best relationship right there. Then at, at a young age, he was given over to the priest. Oh, wow. Okay, so was he abandoned? Whatever we could think of, but he was given up. All right, and then the place where he is, Eli, his two sons, they're dropping the ball to say, it, to say it nicely. They're messing up. They're messing it up. But now we are at Samuel, and we are where he is ministering before the Lord under Eli. It says, in those days, the word of the Lord was rare, or it was precious. There were not many visions. One night, Eli whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, 
was lying down in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, which means that it was like early, early morning. The light had not gone out. They were sleeping. But the, the light had not gone out yet, and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back. Lie down. So he went and lay down. Again, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am. You called me. My son, Eli, said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. Now, Samuel did not know, did not yet know the Lord. And the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. Samuel was in the right place to hear God. But he didn't know the voice yet. But he was in the right place. Do we know that our placement can unlock our potential? Our placement can unlock our potential. You might say, I don't even know why I come on a Sunday morning. I don't know why I, I watch online. I don't even know why. Do you realize that our placement can unlock our potential? Sometimes we think even maybe with our friends or our family, man, do you know this co-worker that I have? They get on my nerves. I don't really feel like that because there's not many people here. When I'm, but anyway, we're like, and, and I can't say that. I wouldn't say that about my, you know, about my father-in-law. But anyway, you can have that feeling of sometimes you might say, this coworker really gets on my nerves. Or I've had times in school where a student really gets on my nerves. Many times. A lot of times. There was times when I was a junior high teacher when the one kid went up to my desk, he said, you already have my name on a detention slip. I'm like, I know you're going to do something wrong. Like, I'm, just, I'm just waiting for it. I'm just waiting for it. And I don't know if I've told this story before. That same kid who drove me absolutely crazy, absolutely crazy, whenever we, before we left Uniontown, I drove down the street to this, um, like an auto parts store. I see this kid walking. He's in high school now. Still driving me a little crazy, but it's okay. The weirdest and craziest thing happened. This literally, a car pulled into the parking lot. Two guys jumped out and were going after this kid. I'm like, come on, I want to jump into No, I didn't, I didn't want to do that. But like, I was thinking, like, is this really happening? So I'm like, okay. So then I walk over, I'm like, hey guys, what? They, like, they ran back in the car and they, and they drove away, okay? That placement was definitely a God thing. I didn't want to be there. This kid drove me crazy at times. But that placement, and I was able to help him up and pick him up and I get stuck, like wipe him off, really dust him off and say, hey, are you all right? Yeah, I'm good. Thanks, Mr. Jones. All right, man. Hey, have a good day. Be safe. I'm like, do you need anything? No, I'm good. I'm good. All right. Okay. But that placement was unlocking the potential where God wanted me to be. Our placement in the lives of others can unlock potential. Bringing your kid to church on a Sunday morning. I understand sometimes it's a little bit harder. Some families it's a little bit harder. But I'm telling you, 
that placement can unlock the potential in your kid in years to come. So thank you. Thank you for doing it. John 15, 5, 7, 5 through 7 says, I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Because we know that our worship and our sacrifice is receivable. We know that prayer is possible. We also know that our obedience is doable. And we know that our discipline is critical because our placement will unlock the potential that God has for us. So keep going. Sorry, I got, whoa, I got excited there. Sorry. So 1 Samuel 3, we're now in verse 8. And it says a third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up. And what is he going to do? I'm going to do the same thing I kept doing. Here I am. You called me. And then Eli realizes the Lord is calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. Do we know, church, that directions are essential? Directions are essential. I know sometimes we put stuff together without reading the directions, right? We just figure it out. But do we know that the Word of God are the directions that we need and that they are essential in our life? Do we know that these directions are that important? Because I want to say, speak. Your servant is listening. I want my kids to say, speak. Your servant is listening. I want my family. I want my friends. I want the, peop- the kids I get to work with on Wednesday. And I want those kids to say, God, speak. Your servant is, l- is listening. We know that worship and sacrifice are receivable. Prayer is possible. Obedience is doable. Discipline is critical. And placement can unlock our potential. And direction is so, so essential. So I'm very grateful to have a wife that prays for me. And, um, and then she sends me verses. She's sending me verses throughout the week. And this verse she sent to me, I think it was Thursday or Friday. It says this, and 3 John, chapter 1, verse 4, I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. I have no greater joy. I can get really excited. I can. I, I can I could jump. I will hurt later. But I, I can do a lot of things and I'll be excited. But no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking in the truth. Whatever God, this is another thing that, that Bethany sent me, was is whatever God takes us through can prepare us for future assignments in his service. You know, what will someone say because of what I've said and what I've done? What will, what will someone else say because of what I said and what I've done? What, what will 
Does it matter? Yes, it matters. It matters that you are here. It matters. I'm going to finish with this thought. And I said this on Thursday night, and I was saying it this morning even as we were praying, um, as the worship team was praying. And this is it. It's what if the church walked out the call in the, and in the giftings that God has given us, what would our world look like now? I ask you again, what if the church walked out the call and in the giftings that God has given us, what would our world look like now? As the, the prayer warrior for this week has been praying for me as well, and, um, and just in, in sharing different verses, and, and I just... I honestly thought we have gifts that God has given us. What if we, yes, pass them on to the next, but not just pass stuff on to the next generation. What if we open up the gift that God has given us and use it? I'm really tired, as Bethany and I have talked in the last few, few weeks, I'm really tired of the world, as we say, worldifying the word. I'm, I'm tired of the world, word, the Word of God being worldified and trying to keep... I, I want the Word to wordify the world. I want us as a church, my desire, my prayer for you all, for us all, is that we would walk in the gift that God has given us, in the call that God has given us. Please stand with me. Lord, you are good. You are amazing. God, you love us. You've anointed us. You have called us. God, and there's times that I wish that we were more like Samuel and said, here I am, your servant is listening. But today, on this last day in April of 2023, Father, your servants are listening. God, thank you for making a way. Thank you for opening that door for us. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. God, I see lives change. I see mountains moving. In people's lives, mountains are moving. You are doing amazing things. God, help us to receive you. Help us to hear you. Father, help us to go. As is always said, we've, we've done business and worship, Lord, and, and we've prayed and we've fellowshiped, and we're going to go fellowship some more. God, may your word be released. May your truth be revealed. Speak, for your servants are listening, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen.